Wow. Isn't God good? Hey, I'm grateful. Are you grateful today? Thank you, guys. I, I, I just can't. I am so blessed to pastor the greatest church in Pittsburgh. Come on, give a shout for yourselves. You guys are the best. You guys are givers. And, and the cards and, and the encouraging notes, every one of them, Amy and I, we cherish them. When we get depressed, we pull them out and read them. So, so thank you, and, and please, thank you so much. We are grateful, so grateful for all that you do and serving and giving and helping. It just, it just means the world to us. So I don't know, you guys watching online, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I, I, I believe a heart full of gratitude is what God loves, and, and I'm grateful for you today. It's, it's a parishioner appreciation day. You know what a parishioner is? Okay, it's People Appreciation Day. Come on, say, you say, I'm good. Well, I'm grateful for you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for doing your part in the body. We can't do this without you. I love what Mother Teresa said. Are you here, Mother Teresa? We have a couple Mother Teresas in our church. One laughs a lot. But anyway, I would say it this way. She said, I can do what you can't do, and you can do what I can't do, but together we can do something great. So thank you, thank you, thank you. I don't know how to preach this message in 36 minutes, but I have these problems. I usually have in one message about nine sermons. And so I'll try to, like, like God would have me a, a pizza delivery boy I'm going to bring you the pizza. It might be all messed up. The cheese might be stuck to the top. Pepperonis and mushrooms and anchovies might be all over the place. But we're going to get it to you, okay? Are you ready to receive? How do you... See, when I go overseas, they let me preach. That, like, they're stuck in their chairs for six hours. So you can break it down slowly. But in America, we, we got to, you know, we're like the cafeteria. Get in, get out before it. So let's just stop wasting my time and go. Father, thank you for these letters to the American church. Thank you for your will and your word. Make it more than enough. Give each person what they need, Lord. Bring transformation. Bring renewal. Father, bring healing to our bodies. Bring life and health to all our flesh. Feed our spirit, man, in this hour which we live. Like the sons of Issachar, I decree over this church. I thank you, Father. We have an understanding of these times, and we know what we should be doing. Because whoever finds God finds 2 Timothy 3, you know, we had the guy come one time. I got called this and accused of this. He's up there near where we were at, up at the men's retreat. He's, he's the machine gun preacher. But when I first started preaching, the older lady got up. And she said, you're the machine gun preacher. She said, you got to slow down. But I'm not going to today, so get your pen ready and get your notes. 2 Timothy 3, 1, understand this. In the last days when they come, perilous times that word in the greek would be dangerous times times of danger great stress great trouble hard to deal with hard to bear for people will be lovers utterly self-centered lovers of money aroused by inordinate affection greedy desire for wealth proud arrogant contemptuous boasters they will be abusive blasphemous scoffing disobedient to parents ungrateful unholy and profane they will be without natural human affection, callous and inhumane, relentless, admitting 
of no truce or appeasement. They will be slanderers, false accusers, troublemakers, intemperate and loose in morals and in conduct, uncontrolled and fierce, haters of good. Some will say haters of good. Anyone see any of this? Well, how many know Paul tells Timothy, this is interesting because it's all happening today. They will be treacherous betrayers, rash, inflated with self-conceit. They'll be lovers of sensual pleasures and vain amusements more than and rather than lovers of God. And he tells us from such, turn away. How did we get here? How did, how did we get to this place? I, I just want to unpack something a little bit today. How did we get to this place? How did we get here? I remember when 60s, 70s, 80s, where it wasn't this bad. I remember growing up in a home where the choice show for us young'uns was Speed Racer or Leave it to Beaver. How many ever heard of Leave it to Beaver? I heard of Busy Beaver. Leave it to Beaver. How many know Beaver was a cool kid? June and Wally, come on. I mean, this was pretty clean stuff. They were married, Right? Brady Bunch, just just uh, just stuff that was like nothing. Happy days. Now we're in sad days. I played sports every single day. We went outside. Nobody sat by the TV. Nobody had iPhones and was sitting around like scrolling and googling and and Insta and Facebook and social media and. Watching the stock market every minute to see what your money was going to do. Jesus, help me. But it was interesting. We pledged allegiance to the flag. We just came out of an era where they stopped praying in schools. We lived in a great nation that we taught was great because men had given their lives and shed their blood. I remember the day of the VCR. My dad could never figure out why that thing was still blinking. And I couldn't either, to be honest with you. But I'll never forget the day someone used the S word. And my dad pushed eject all college kids watching in my living room. He pushed eject, walked home from work, grabbed it. Everyone looked at him, what's your dad doing? He said, sexual content and rated R movies don't belong in this house and threw it out on the lawn and just went about his business. Some of you are looking at me like I grew up with rated R movies. I grew up with pocket porn. I grew up where you could click on something. I grew up where everything just seemed like this. That divorce was pretty uncommon then. Drugs and school shootings were pretty uncommon then. They were unheard of. But the family began to break down. We began to take fathers out of the homes. And Engel in Vattel in 1962 said, we want prayer out of schools. How did we get here? When you extract God from society, when you take God out of the culture, when you take the name of Jesus out of a culture, when you take prayer out of a culture, when you take the Bible, when you pull the Ten Commandments out of the public square, a huge vacuum is created. And what did that vacuum happen to look like? It looked like Matthew 12. When a demon is cast out of a person, it roams around in a dry region, looking for a place to rest but never finds it. 
Then it says, I'll return to the house I moved out of. And so it goes back only to find out if the house is vacant and warm and ready to move back into. It goes looking for seven other demons more evil than itself. And to enter to lit together to live there, then the person's condition becomes much worse than it was in the beginning. This describes what will happen to people of this evil generation. The reality is when we took God out of America, when we took the Holy Spirit, when we took liberty and freedom in understanding who Jesus was, when we took God out of everything, how many know the devil brought seven friends back more evil than himself? And so we finished up last week talking about the spirit of mammon, but I really was taking a deeper look into this because these next three weeks, two weeks, until these midterms where we have a choice and a decision to vote righteousness and turn our nation around and turn our state around and turn our city and get God back. Come on, say, get God back. How many want God back? How many want the word back? How many want Jesus back? How many want the good news back? When you take the gospel out of things, and man's left to himself with secularist, humanist, communist, socialist mindsets. Self-destruction takes place. We rape people of their true identity of who they are in Christ. This is what happened in the Old Testament. And because it happened in the Old Testament, we see these demons searching for places to go in the new, but they need a place where God's not welcome so they can bring the enemy who comes to kill, steal, and destroy, to create a vacuum. You see, when the leadership vacuum leaves, Satan finds a place to fill. In fact, it happened in Exodus 32. When the people saw Moses delayed his coming down on the mountain, they gathered themselves together unto an errand, and they said unto him, Up, let us make gods, which we shall go before us. And as for Moses, the man... You know the story. He's up getting a word from God. He's writing the Ten Commandments. He's hearing from heaven. He stayed a little longer. Hey, if you're in the presence of God, I'm staying longer too, right? He's getting a word from heaven how to create laws for the people. And what was the first one? Thou shalt have no other gods before me. No other gods before me. No idols. What's interesting in verse 4, it says, And he received them in their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool, after he had made it a molten calf and said, These be gods of Israel, which brought thee up out of Egypt. It's interesting that when there's a vacuum, how the enemy tries to fill things. Moses came off the hill a little upset because when he came down with the law of God, the rule of God, he seen people breaking the first commandment. Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and him alone. In the New Testament, what did he tell him? Thou shalt have no other gods before me. He comes down. They said, and Aaron answers the question. He says, you delayed your coming so the people needed something. This vacuum, I filled it. I told them, give your earrings, give your gold, we'll melt it down. And it, this is how he says it in the Old Testament. And all of a sudden, a, a gold calf, he says, just popped out of the fire. Isn't it interesting that they went back to what they saw in Egypt, these Egyptian gods, these idols that people prayed to and people worshipped. It's 
interesting. They broke the first commandment. So when I look at this American Idol, it's not a TV show. <laughs> it's not a place where people try to sing and get known and get money and get... Actually, the American Idol is, and we'll get into this next week. I'm not going to go into the details, but I just want to give you a surface on it. If you study Kings and you study Elijah, one of my favorite stories in all the Bible, where the prophet Elijah calls all the prophets of Baal down into this valley and says, if God be God, serve him, and if Baal be God, serve him. And these people go crazy, slam and dancing, hitting each other. The Bible says they violently cut themselves. And Elijah's, I love it, I love it. Elijah's laughing at them. Elijah's saying, is your God asleep? Is your God out for lunch? Is he taping a, taking a nap? He's, he's confident in his God. And, and they, 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 till the evening offering, nothing happens. Then he says, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob answer by fire. And all of a sudden, he had these guys pour water over the stones. And, 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 and again and again and again, it was, it was soaked. And all of a sudden, can you imagine being there? The fire comes down, licks up the sacrifice, lifts up the offering, lifts, licks up the bullock, takes the water in the trench. Boom, there's a big hole there. It looked like a nuclear bomb hit. And all of a sudden, they fall and start worshiping the one true God of Israel. This is the story of the Old Testament. It's always they come back to God and then they're led astray. They come back to God and they're led astray. If you call by my name, will humble yourself and pray. Then they turned their heart away to other gods. Solomon was doing well. He had the wisdom of God and then he married the wrong women. Wow. How many know two wives would be a problem but a thousand? Seven hundred? I was asked that question the other day on hard questions. 700 wives and 300 concubines? I don't know what I would do with two wives. One's enough. Someone say, one's enough. You say, well, I'm, 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 I'm getting 40 years old, and I think I need another wife. So I'm going to get 220s. Hey, ask Alan. He's an electrician. You weren't wired for 220. It'll cause you to explode. One wife's good. Say, say in this church and online, one wife's good. One wife's more than enough. If you believe that, say amen. amen. But Baal worship, Baal was all about, I just want to give you this for America. Baal was all about the God of fertility. Baal was all about the God of increase. Baal was all about production, profit, reproducing, rain coming down and blessing their crops. They prayed to Baal. They prayed to Baal. And somehow Baal weaved his way into Israel. These other gods that they shouldn't have been praying to and talking about just slipped in, just in the culture over the years. Just things slipped in. See, how did this happen when I was a kid and I never heard that before and I never saw that before and I grew up in this era and suddenly week after week, month after month, year after year, it's acceptable. It's acceptable for a man to kiss a man. No! Say no. no. For a woman to marry a woman. Say no. This just isn't, for children to be taught you can be anything. And a parent to go, embrace that. You're a Furby. You're a lettuce head. A green lettuce head. Go ahead and be that. What if I would have, my parents would have said, I was a kid for, I'm a dinosaur. Uh, okay, you're a dinosaur. I might look different today. Let's just embrace that. See, see, 
It's very interesting. Baal worship was the fertility God that promised increased reproduction of crops. He would bring rain to your crops. He would promise gain increase in material prosperity and abundance in gains. See, my Italian upbringing, I'm going to ask Vinny because his name's Vincente Giuseppe Ferragonio. It doesn't get any more Italian than that. When we grew up, everyone talked about at dinner, everyone talked about at nighttime. When you woke up, they talked about my grandfather and my family talked about they ate, they drank, they talked about business and money, business and money. They served the God of Baal. They opened the door. It was success. It was materialism. It was money. They never told you that, but that's all they talked about. And so when I look at this, I go, the promise of gain, increase, in material wealth in the 80s and the 90s, it came into the church, the prosperity gospel. We give God, and he'll give you back so much. Can you see the greed? Prosperity gospel, they call it. And can I tell you, most people don't have a clue about what they're talking about when they talk about that. They throw in names of people that preach stuff. They don't have a clue. So real quick, I was realizing that God will bless you and give you back. And they used to say the TV preachers, good measure, pressed down, shaking together and running over. Yeah, I'm going to be rich. Yeah, I want money, lots and lots of money. That, that came to the church. I want to be a billionaire so freaking bad. That got in the church. Can I tell you in this church, cut it out, make a statement. What do you believe in, pastor? That God wants you to prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Why? I, I, I really searched my heart and I said, God, why, why do I want to be blessed? And, and the Lord said, go back in your life. Where did, it didn't hit me with my greedy uncles, my grandfather, their auto parts stores, their wealth, their real estate. It didn't hit me there. It hit me when I was sitting on a bus. And I was in seventh grade. And my mom and dad moved to go do the will of God in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And I would work so hard. And all I wanted, I wanted one thing. I used to sit on that sidelines and coach would put me in. All I wanted was my dad to be there. That's all I wanted. He made a couple of my games. But dad worked three jobs. Why do you want prosperity? I want to be with my father. In fact, he's in the grandstand right now watching. I'd score goals. And I said, I just want my dad to see me. Do you know this is an innate thing you're born with? Did you want to be with your father? Did you want to be part of your family? That God made you. And I went back and I said, Lord, where does this desire come from? He said, it comes from me. You want your dad to see you win because your heavenly father, all he wants to see you do is win. He's watching every day your performance. He's watching you score. He's watching you set goals. And you know what? Every day I'll drop everything to go see that young man on the base. The other night he hit this ball. It went 35 yards and it curved into the net. I was like, Come on, Jesus. You know why? Because my dad had to make some sacrifices. And, and I used to think in my mind, if I ever have enough money, I'm, I'm going to be sitting in my son's games on the sideline. If I ever have abundance, I'm going to be with my kids. And I said, Lord, why does giving break the spirit of greed? Because he said, I told you that you're like Father Abraham. 
And Father Abraham, the Bible says in Galatians 3.13, he says that blessed is those who believe like Abraham, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles through Christ Jesus. And I said, what's that mean, Lord? He said, the first thing I revealed myself to Abraham and to Isaac and Jacob, and if you study the scripture, he said, I'm going to supply all your needs. If you'll serve me and give you a tenth, he gave Melchizedek a tenth of all he had. And you know what God's asking for? All he's asking for is, I don't want greed in your life. It's like, why, why does this go back to this? I just want to be with my dad. I just want a relationship with my dad. If you have a relationship with your dad, prosperity is just part of the outflow. If you really have a relationship with your father, you are in his likeness and his image. It's not something you get. It's who you are. And, and, and I was like, Abraham. And the Lord just said this to me while I was sitting there singing to him. He said, you realize that father-son relationship that was the greatest thing you could ever have? That's prosperity. He said, I, I, I'm going to reveal myself. Abraham, I'll make you rich in livestock and silver and gold. It's not about that. I need a relationship. I want a relationship. And so Abraham's whole life was like doing McDonald's with my daughter Gloria. And I'd get a big tray of fries and I'd pour them all out and I'd put ketchup on it. And I'd slide them over and the little boys and Gloria would start eating French fries. I'd just buy more French fries. And so I slid the tray over and said, here's the fries. Gloria was about five and a half. Gabe was just a baby. And I went to grab a fry and she pulled the tray away. She said, those are mine. I said, those aren't yours. I pulled it back. Those are mine. And I can buy you all the fries in this restaurant. But until you are willing to give one back and let your father sup and fellowship with you over fries and happy meals that we never want to eat ever again. And you know what the Lord said to me? Listen, just get this revelation. I'll move on. Get this revelation. What's prosperity about for me? Having trillions and millions to give away. Because have you been to the nations I've been to and you see people with nothing? You just want to give them everything. I left Egypt one time. I gave my laptop, my camera, my stuff to this church, my shoes. When I got on the plane, the pastor turned around and said, can I have that shirt? I said, sure. I left with a t-shirt. I left with nothing. Do you know, do you know, it's not for me. Did you know did you know what God did to Abraham? Why he calls him our father in the faith? Because he said, I blessed you. And Abraham said, give it back. And he kept giving it back and giving it back until he got such a man of faith that God said, everything I give you, I want a portion back because I never want greed in your heart. I want gratefulness. And now he said, you believe for 25 years for this beautiful boy. And at 13 years old, God said, give me your only son. You know what Abraham did? Take him. It says he believed God. That he would sacrifice that boy. You know that's the faith that moved God to bring his son Jesus into the earth. He carried him up the hill. He said, you stay with the asses. I'm going to a higher place. How many know some people have to stay with the asses? He went up high. And his son said, Daddy, here's the... Here's the wood, there's the fire, but where's the sacrifice? Listen to his prophetic words speaking. The Lord himself will provide. He put, gets ready to kill him, binds him, gets ready to stab him. And God says, stop it, I see it. The Bible says he already seen in a picture. 
that that man would have given his only son. And it says in John, he already seen in a picture that God would raise him up. This man believed in the death, the burial, the resurrection of his only son. God's a faith God. He needs faith to move. And you know what? Faith has to do with giving your all. Faith has to do with being with your father. And anytime God puts something in your hand, you say, it's all yours. And you break the spirit of greed to live like God wants you to live by faith. And that's why you don't have to worry in these last days, God's going to take care of us. I said God's going to take care of us. Because he's first in our lives. But pastor, where does this go to? Ready? Say, I break the spirit of Baal. Because I'm a giver. Because I'm grateful. How did we get here? It's interesting. It's interesting. It's interesting. On the New York Stock Exchange, there's a golden calf that they switched and they took away the Ten Commandments for a male bull calf. Gold. It's interesting that what drives America, New York Stock Exchange, have you ever been on Wall Street down there, walk down, and there's the bull. There, there's, there's the bull. There's the bronze bull that stands for a bull market, profits and gains and increase and materialism. And it just happens to be the God that many of Americans bow to. They call it work, 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 work. They call it materialism. They call it gain. They call it profit. They call it success. They call it a bull market. But still, we've switched in America in the 60s. We pulled God out. We pulled God out of this. We pulled him out of school. We pulled him out of education. And then we said, hey, the almighty dollar instead of the almighty God. Where'd my bull go? The bronze bull. The calf that they were worshiping. See, Baal's tricky. He'll have you following profit. He'll have you follow prosperity. He'll have you follow money, greed, work, materialism, whatever he can to distract you from the purpose and the plan of God. Can I tell you, if you study the, 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 who they said the mate, we'll get into that next week, of the God Baal was and how they practice worship, you'll see a clear picture of what happened to Israel, happened to America. That they opened up the bail, increase, profit, prosperity, materialism, we're blessed. And all of a sudden, they let in other gods. And all of a sudden, there was a sexual revolution. You say, how do you know that? Because study the Corinth church. The Greek goddess Dianus, to come to worship, they were having sexual lewd acts to worship God. Supposedly, how many know none of the men were late for church that day? The 60s, we had a sexual revolution. And now Satan twists to this other God. What was the way they sacrificed the bell? Listen to me closely. This is crazy. What's God want? He wants your Isaac. There's something about the Hebrews that, and I'm kind of grateful that God said, give me, give me your firstborn male, that kid playing the bass. Give me your firstborn male. 
Let him be a Levite. Let him be a priest. Give me the, there's a blessing, the Bible says, on the firstborn male. There's a blessing on all your kids, but there's a blessing. That means a set apart. There's a, for he is holy or, or unto the Lord. It's just a type of Jesus, right? Set apart. There's a, give me your firstborn male. Sacrifice him. Give his life to me. You know what Baal turned that into? Baby sacrifice. They sacrificed their babies. They sacrificed their babies. The spirit of Molech got involved. You can study it out. All of a sudden, they're giving their babies without even caring. It brings a blessing. It's a lie. They'll give your babies. All of a sudden, sexual chaos entered in. Crazy stuff began to happen. Confusion began to happen. And I'm looking at this, I'm going, this is a picture of this. This is crazy sexual confusion that we opened the door to these other gods. And what did it look like last week as they queue it up? Just 30 seconds on Good Morning America. What did it look like? Where did this sexual confusion, transgenderism, and chaos come from? Waiting. Please welcome Desmond Naples, a.k.a. Desmond <laughs> yeah. And your parents, we saw your parents in the piece that we did, and your parents are so supportive of you, but they, they've also, they've encouraged you to stay and be who you are. So how has that inspired you to be open about dressing and drag? They support me by letting me do what I want to do and um, letting me um, dress up and letting me play with um, makeup and trains and um yeah i really like trains when i'm out of drag most of the time i'm playing with trains <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we celebrate this we celebrate this that a parent can affirm this this is no joke church sexual confusion and we celebrate that now in some schools they put litter boxes in the back of the classroom because someone said, I affirm as a cat. Meow. That's sad. That little boy, we pray for him, but his parents, did you see the clapping? I'm telling you, there's going to come a day where you, you, you stand against that. There's something wrong with you. There's something wrong with you. You're a hater. You guys are haters. Who would affirm their little beautiful boy and let him dress like that? And then clap about it and say, explore who you are. And can I tell you in Matthew 24, the Bible says there's going to be a great, I want you to hear this. I'm going to move on with three points and I'm going to help you. How do we deal with this as a church? Walk in love toward people. Matthew 24, Jesus said in that day, many will be deceived. Many will be deceived. Now I want you, I just want to paint this picture for you. You say, well, Pastor, they're deceived. They're deceived. No, no, no. 
the devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy, and he's a deceiver, right? The Bible says, in, in the last day, people will be deceived. Watch out, beware, lest ye be deceived. A lot of people are being deceived, unfortunately, some Christians. But he brings up this other statement. I want to read to you in Thessalonians. There's deception, but then there's Thessalonians 2.9. He says, even him who is coming, this is the Antichrist, after the working of Satan with all power signs and lying wonders, and with all deceivableness and un of unrighteousness in, that in them that perish, those that are on their way perishing. Because they receive not the love of the truth, they might be saved. For this cause, now listen, the devil's a deceiver, right? Listen what this says. God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. Deception or delusion? Satan brings deception. God says bring strong, strong delusion. You say, how, how do you get strong delusion? After you keep telling your kid, you're a girl, you're a girl, you're a girl, you're a Furby, you're a cat, you're this, you're this, you're this. And, and God, you extracted God out of your life, out of your family. Say, I don't want to hear what God's word says. I don't love the truth. I want to be what I want to be. Looks like Romans 1 to me. Looks like God gave them over to themselves. And the Bible says, now, if you want to be that and you want to be that, God says a strong delusion. You say, that's delusional to think you're a cat. One lady said, I'm a, one guy said, I just watched it on Jimmy Evans. He said, I'm a wolf. I'm a wolf. I watched a movie on wolves when I was a kid, and I identify with a wolf. How? Oh. How? Oh. I identify with a wolf. And the, guy, and, and, and the gentleman said to him, he said, how do you communicate? Can you, commu can you, have us, can you ha show us how you talk to us? No, I, I can't do that. Not right now. I identify with him in his body language. Watch how he acts. So do I. I run. But this shows you that's delusional. This is what we're dealing with in our world today. When you take God out of things, what happens? Satan brings wicked, chaotic, crazy, delusional. And God says, is that what you want? You want to reflect that you're that and I made you to be this? Okay, go ahead and have your way. Strong delusion. Time after time, they would not recognize God. They continually reject him. They convinced themselves that they were something other than what God made them to be. Wow. Wow. You say, Pastor, do you get upset? Do you laugh? No, no, no. This is saddening. This is heartbreaking. This is chaos and confusion. It's delusional. So, Pastor, how do, how do we deal with this? How, how do we do what God's called us to do? Well, here's the way David said it when the giant stood up to speak against Israel. And he came down and brought his brother's lunch, and he said, Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Who is this giant? He said, I'm going to go out and kill him. And they said, You little punk. You get back with those few sheep. And David says, is there not a cause? I ask you today as a church, is there not a cause? How many believe we can create a vacuum that brings God back? Come on, that brings his anointing back. That prayer brings the power back. How many know we want to get prayer back in the church and we got it back at Grace Life Church? Can I have an amen? I'm going to challenge you these next 15 days, come to prayer. I'm going to say it a thousand times. When you get to heaven, Jesus is going to say, your pastor told you to come. Come learn to pray. How many men are here? Yeah. How many strong men are here? Yeah. 
Come learn to pray one day a week. Come learn to pray two days a week. Come learn to pray. You say, I don't want to be delusional. Come pray. You can't fall off when you're praying. Come learn how to pray. You won't be deceived when you're praying. You won't be deceived when you're following the leadership of your life group and you're following your pastor and you're engaged and involved and your eyes are wide open and we're being the church. When you're worshiping and praising, someone say, is there not a cause? Let me close here. Ready? Write these three things down. This is what God's asked us to do right now. How, how do we get that? I grew up. You know what? I, I got to be honest with you. you would, some of you guys would think you're pure. You never shot heroin. You never had sexual relations before you were married. You never got stoned and drunk. And I thought, I used to always, man, I ain't got a good testimony. It kind of sucks. And now I'm looking at my kids growing up. I'm like, thank you, God, by your grace. Yeah, I want to hear that. You know what? I was religious, filthy. I grew up as a Catholic kid. And you know what? God changed me at a young age, and I grew up in revival. And now I'm thanking God for that. I grew up knowing a mom and dad loved me. I thank God for that. I grew up giving. I thank God for that. How many know, thou? your kids can grow up the same way? Because you break the curse. You say, I'll never be perfect. Neither why. But you know what? The blood of Jesus forgives all of our sins. He makes us all brand new. He makes us all cleansed. And I live with this common need. No matter what I've done, I'm unclean. My righteousness is filthy rags. My works are never good enough, but only the finished work of Jesus Christ and his blood can cleanse you and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Come on, shout amen to that. So what do we got to do, Pastor? Someone say, wake up. Wake up. Wake up. Wake up. Wake up. up. Yeah, wake up. Shout, wake up. Look at your neighbor, say, wake up. Look at your wife, say, wake up. I was at an event last night for life. It was powerful. Thank you guys for being involved. We're changing our city. Voices for the unborn. Working with Pastor Jay is phenomenal. They're showing, you're showing ladies the sonogram of their live living baby. So Molech can't have that child. And these girls end up keeping the baby. And I say, this church gives to that. We sow big into that. We work big into that. Michelle works. Some of you guys work. Uh, There's so many people behind it saving lives. Say, wake up. Ephesians 5 says, therefore, he says, awake, O sleeper. Arise from the dead and Christ will shine and give you light. Look carefully how you live and walk. Live purposely and wordly, accurately. Not as the unwise and witless, but as intelligent people. Making the very most of the time. Buying up each opportunity because the days are evil. Now everyone listen to me and say it with me. I'll tell you prophetically by the Spirit of God. And I don't say that a lot. You that have been here 25 years know I don't say that all the time. Prophetically, we have a door of opportunity. Right, General Bob? We have a door of opportunity right in front of us as a church, as a state, and as a nation. But the church's been asleep, pursuing money, pursuing my side gig, pursuing my new boat, pursuing my new career, pursuing my stuff. And God says to the church, wake up, bind the spirit of Bell, break that spirit of sexual confusion, bind the spirit of deception. Get rid of that delusional mindset that could just go into, well, we just need to, you know, let people express themselves, Pastor. Let them come out of the closet. No, 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 no. We need to stand for righteousness. We need to stand for truth because God's given us the church a door of opportunity. Come on, say amen to that. What's your part in that door? 
What's your part in that door of opportunity? Because there's a kairos moment. This word time, he said, redeem the time. The guy talked about it last night. Not chronos, chronological time, but kairos. I say kairos is a miracle moment. It's a moment like when we got this building, I was in the right place at the right time and God opened the door to have this free property on 22. There's a Kairos moment when I met my wife. I was on the phone and I met her over the phone and I heard her voice and the Holy Spirit said, that's your wife, tell her that. I said, you're going to be my wife. Don't go doing that today, by the way. But I dated two years to prove it was the will of God. Kairos moment. Kairos moment. Open door before God. Open door before God. Open door for an opportunity, an opportune time. A great and effectual door has opened unto us, the church. You say, what's it all about? I don't think it's about just getting my way or my desires or whatever side I vote. I think it is about righteous values. And it's about the last day harvest. It's about what Bob prayed about the other day, mercy. That Abraham was standing in the way of Lot at Solomon and Gomorrah. In the days of Lot, so it will be when the sun. And he said, Lord, mercy, Lord, mercy. Don't blow up the city because of 10 righteous. Come on, Lord. And then he couldn't find 10 righteous. How many know God found some righteous here in America? How many believe God's going to move because of us? How many believe God's going to open a door of opportunity because of us? You say, I, I'll tell you, I, you think I'm, I'm not being egotistical, I'm not being braggart, but I believe Roe versus Wade overturned partly because of this church was praying for the last three years. And I'll prophesy to you it's going to overturn in our state because this church is praying. If I can find one righteous man, 8 o'clock Monday, 8 o'clock Tuesday, come 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 30, come pray. I want my house to be a house of prayer. Someone say, wake up. It's interesting. To live like this, Romans 13, is more urgent. Time is running out. And you know it's a strategic hour in human history. Someone say opportunity. It's time for us to wake up. For our full salvation is nearer when we first believe. Someone shout, wake up. Wake up. Why, why do you want to pray for those in authority? That we might live a quiet, peaceable life. So we can finish strong. And so guess what? How many have family members that are unsaved and cousins and friends and relatives unsaved? We're taking them to heaven. Aren't we, Vinny? We're taking them to heaven. Guy looked yesterday when someone mentioned the rapture. He goes, what's that? That means like a bunch of people are going to leave? And I heard him talking about it. I was just laughing. He said, the guy told him, it's going to happen soon. I was just eavesdropping like you do in a restaurant. He said, yeah, the whole church is leaving. How many know I believe it? Wow. Someone say, wake up. Number, number two, so number one, wake up because your door of opportunity. And, and you think, I'm getting a job, yes, carry on business and occupy till it comes. I'm doing what I'm doing, pastor, and I'm just, yeah, yeah, keep doing it. But keep your eyes set on eternity and lift up your eyes. Get your focus on eternal things right now. Right now. Right now. Someone say, wake up. People were spiritually slumbering, and that's why they gave heed to Baal. And to follow all the side distractions. Number two, stand up. Someone say stand up. I believe that the church has been a little bit paralyzed because we let all this slip in without standing up for truth. Now we're standing up. Getting the right stance. You know, athletic stance. Vinny will tell you when they golf and, and, and the other golf and Dick Logan will tell you, get an athletic stance. That means get ready. What's the athletic stance? 
God says, you have to stand up. You have to take a stance. If you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. What is your stance? Our stance in the church is, Pastor, it could be morbid, doom and gloom. What are we going to do? I read the end of the book. We win. Like Seth said, Pastor Bill said, the fight is fixed. Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Come on, look at me for a minute. you got four more minutes. Listen, the Bible says that you are more than a conqueror through him that loved us so. And I was thinking about it. 93 and 0. I was a captain of a soccer team for four years. 93 and 0 in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We went to Nationals. We went to Tri-State. We went, and you know what? we never been beat. And I'll never forget getting off that bus at the Nationals. We all had blue sport coats with our school crest. And, and they said, I, I heard all the comments. We got up, here comes victory. They've never been beat. And our guys kind of just put their chest out. Yep, that's us. And the Lord said something to me. He said, it's not what you do. It's who you are. Victory isn't what you do, it's who you are. Thanks be to God that gives us the, through our Lord Jesus Christ. We were called the victory Christian conquerors. We are more than conquerors. How? Through him that loved us so. All I do is win. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. Got Jesus on my mind. Everybody's hands go up and they stay there. Come on, victory. Someone say victory. Say victory. Come on, guys. Lift your hands. Say victory. That's our stance. God's trying to promote victory in the earth right now through a door of opportunity, but he needs you to stand. How many are ready to stand? Well, I don't know, Pastor. I got to find a church where they're not in your face like this. I know plenty of them. I'll give you a business card to them. I told God, like Mark Hankins, don't ever do anything in life without using me and letting me be in the center of it in Jesus' name. How many believe that for our church? Let us be right in the center of God's revival and the stance of victory. Come on. Shout, all I do is win. Notice you stay in motion because faith without works. I need some guys to help me build out a food bank. I need some guys to help me fill seven semi-loads of groceries before Thanksgiving. Who will help me do it? You just sit there and look around. How easy is it? I just went to the grocery store. I got an extra $50 of groceries. It's nothing. I put it in a bag and brought it here. Pretty easy. And I seen groceries brought to prayer the other day. Probably could feed about 20 families, just what they brought the other day. Come on, Jesus. You say, what are you concerned about? You? Not at all. I can believe God to turn stone into bread if I need to. But I got people that don't know who Jesus is, and they don't walk by faith. They walk by sight. And when they get hungry, they curse God. So then I show up with some bread, and they say, give glory to God and magnify the Lord for your good works, that they may glorify your Father which is in heaven, because I'm a giver, because I have a seed of Abraham, because I'm blessed coming in and blessed going out. God said, I will make you a symbol and a source of blessing. How many believe it? Say victory. That's our stance. Never. Can I tell you? I'm older than some of y'all, and I'm a lot younger than some of y'all. But I'm 55, and I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor have ever seen his seed begging bread. Never forget it, son. Never forget it, son. He looks away. (laughs) Acts like my dad didn't just do that. Someone say, wake up. Say, stand up. 
and say, speak up. Don't be afraid to speak. Let your voice be heard. Don't be afraid to speak. Tell them about Jesus. Tell them he's a healer. Tell them he's a provider. Tell them he's a redeemer. Tell them he's good. It's the goodness of God that leads people to repentance. I believe there's a spirit coming on the church in this open door right now. Hey, young people, pick a side you want to be on. You can't be lukewarm. Pick a side. If you want to serve the devil, go for it. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Men, you got to make that stance. That's a stance. I know the Cogley boys are going to serve the Lord. Can I have an amen? I know John's family's going to serve the Lord. I know Matt's. I know Seth's going to serve. I know Dick's going to serve the Lord. Someone say, speak up. Can I tell you? Right now the church needs to speak up. Esther 4.14 says, if you keep silent at this time, relief may arise for the Jews from elsewhere. But you and your father's house could perish. Who knows that you are called into the kingdom for such a time as this? Wow. Can I tell you something? Pastor, you're crazy. I'm not going quietly. I'm not leaving here quietly. You know why? Because we have to wake up, stand up, but we really have to speak up. Say, you aren't going to kill kids on my watch. I have three beautiful children and lost one at that hospital, McGee's Women's Hospital. How dare when I drive by that that become a place of death and they told me that's where the most abortions are done. And my, my kids had life there, but other people have had death there. Not on my watch. It's time to stand. It's time to have a voice. It's time to speak. It's time to feed the hungry. It's time to fast. It's time to pray. And you know what? I, I remember this guy, and this is what we've been doing. I'll close with this thought. I remember guy, Reese Howes. How many read Reese Howes? Reese Howes. And, and I love about Joshua Chamberlain up there at Little Round Top. God just needed one guy at Little Round Top because two wars were going on. We couldn't have fought them. And one guy stood up, a school teacher from Maine, and he had no ammunition, no soldiers, nothing. Wow. An act of faith. He said, guys, let's just put it all on the line right here. Man your bayonets and took off running. Downhill. And within minutes, our nation was changed forever because of one man's act of faith. That if they'd overtaken that, we might not be United States of America today. Because of one guy where I've been to his home, near Smith Wigglesworth, near, near, near the place right in the middle of London, where Reese Howes was praying and saying, God, turn back this evil killing machine, Hitler. And they were praying every day and they felt in the spirit the war was turning, but they needed a voice. And this guy crazy enough name Winston Churchill said we're going to fight on the beaches we're going to fight on the shores we can win we must win we shall win do you know that voice went out over the radio and it turned the war right there the prayers of Reese Howes and that whole prayer team and a, a wonderful man named Winston Churchill had to speak something out so people could hear and have hope and be delivered from the demonic forces that were trying to crush and come for America and come for England. How many know you have a voice? And let the redeemed of the Lord say so. We have the same spirit of faith. We believe, therefore we speak. 
How many know the greatest action to your faith is saying something? What do you say? What do you say, pastor? What do you say? I say get out and vote. I say go go tell 10 people about who you're voting for because chances are you're voting for a righteous candidate. Go tell 20 people. Go tell them there's a turning. Go tell them God looked for a man to stand in the gap and make up the hedge, but he found none. How many know in Pittsburgh, God's standing up? My father's standing up in the grandstand of witnesses. Going, come on, finish your course, Grace Life Church. Come on, get up. Come on, stand up. Come on, do what you're called to do. Come on, church, wake up. Come on, stand up. Get in your victory stance and stand in the gap. Your vote matters. Your life matters. Your words matter. It's time for these crazy people in the church that question everything to go somewhere else. Well, pastor, I don't know. Go somewhere else. We're fighting. We're praying. We're standing. We're speaking. We are the last day church. Are you ready? Are you ready to fight? Are you ready to be awakened? Are you ready to stand up? Are you ready to speak up? God, look for a man to stand in the gap and make up the hedge. How hard is it? How hard is it that this guy and this beautiful young lady can get up every day, even on a Saturday when it's their day to sleep in? And Larissa doesn't want to cook, so she used the excuse, donuts. Get the kids donuts. And they drag their kids into prayer, and there was a bunch of people in here praying. I look back behind that chair section. It was a video game section with the kids. They were all, there's a whole circle of kids. The Bible says in Joel, call a fast. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Sound the alarm on my holy mountain. Wake up the church. Let the priests weep between the altar and the porch. Call the kids. Call the youth. Prepare a fast. Proclaim a fast. Preach the gospel. Speak the truth. Wake up. Stand up. Speak up. Because now you have a time and you have a voice. And like the times of Hitler, in Letters to the American Church book by Eric Metaxas, you should read it. Out of the 12,000 pastors, 8,000 were silent and made fun of the others standing up and using their voice. Using their voice. Last night, I've had a lot of talks with Pastor Jay. We stand together because we're using our voice. We're using our voice. A couple missionaries were on my back porch, and I watched them saying, these guys got punched and kicked. They broke their arm. They have a compound fracture as I was over here. They beat him within an inch of his life in Cambodia. They let him out of prison. They said, now never preach again in the name of Jesus. And Scotty Fletcher, the missionary we support, was crying like sobbing like he was baptized. He said, Pastor, I'm not a hero. These guys are. They march back into their churches and open up and start preaching the gospel. They use their voice in the midst of chaos and turmoil. And I'm going to be intimidated by some 130-pound guy with a Channel 4 camera and a mask? you got to be kidding me. I'm going to speak up, and I'm going to make a bold declaration. We're going to see righteousness overturned in Pennsylvania. Why? So we can see the greatest harvest the world has ever seen. 
God coming back into everything. God back into schools, prayer back into schools, the Word of God back. The ta- How many will help bring back what God wants to do for this last day revival? Bow your head, close your eyes. Father, I thank you for the help of the Holy Ghost. I thank you we are your church. We're alive. We're well. We're standing up. We're waking up. We're speaking up. And I thank you, Lord, no vacuum of demons is coming to our nation and our state. We thank you, Father God, right now. If there's one person in here, you say, Pastor, today I'm inspired by the words that say God loves me and he loves me so much that he gave his only son for me that whoever believes in him will not perish but have an eternal life. That's why we exist, to make fully devoted followers of Christ, to reach the lost at any cost. There is a heaven to gain and a hell to miss. There is most of all a relationship with a God who wakes you up every day and he breathed into you his love and his life and liberty he said, you've been created for his purposes. And today, you say, Pastor, I, I've come to the place where I want to be a believer. I want to believe in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I want to know the creator of the universe. I don't want to be deceived in this day. I don't want to be full of delusion in this day. I want to know God through Christ in a personal way. I want all my sins like you talked about to be forgiven. It's nothing I've done or you've done that can make me better or worse. It's what Jesus did for us that cleanses us by his blood. And when you accept that sacrifice, he makes you his child. Today, if you're online watching, we're going to pray. Just type in there. Or send an email, say, I've given my life to Jesus right now. I believe in Jesus Christ. If you're here today, as we pray in about 10 seconds, you say, Pastor, include me in the prayer. I want to know God through Jesus Christ. I want to have forgiveness of my sin and guilt and shame to go away and know that heaven's my home and Jesus is my Lord. Salvation has come to my house today. If that's you, you want me to include you right where you're at sitting there, include you in this prayer. Just lift your hand up real quick. Shoot your hand up. Say, that's me, Pastor. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Somebody else, just put your hand up. Thank you, ma'am. Somebody else, just put your hand up. Thank you over there, sir. Thank you. Somebody else, thank you back there, sir. Thank you, ma'am, right there. Somebody else, just say yes. You're you're acknowledging. Thank you right there. Thank you. You're acknowledging. You put your hand down. You're acknowledging. I want Jesus Christ to be the Lord of my life. One more saying. There's someone else you're wrestling right now, but the Holy Spirit's nudging you and saying, today's your day for salvation. Throw your hand up right now and just show God. It's, It's thank you, sir. Thank you. Somebody else, thank you. Thank you back there. Let's all pray out loud. And I'll let Stu come over here in a minute. But this is, this is why we exist, man. Let's say it. Lord Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God that came to this earth to rescue me, to forgive me for all my sin, to buy me back, to redeem me, to forgive all my sin. And give me your nature. I accept that. I thank you that my guilt is gone. My shame is gone. And I am righteous because of the blood of Jesus. I decree right now, Jesus is the Son of God. He rose from the dead. And he's my Lord. And he's my Savior. I'm going to wake up. I'm going to wake up. I'm going to stand up for Jesus, and I'm going to speak up, and I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name. Come on, give a shout.
Before Stu says anything, how many are really, put both hands up if you're ready to do those three things. If you're not, don't put your hands up. Don't play games. Just keep your hands down. I want to see. I want to look at you in the eye. No, no, put your hands down if it's not in your heart. That doesn't work like that. I can't force stuff on people. Father, make us this last day church. Make us ready. I prophesy over every person filled with the Holy Spirit, doing your will. And this door of opportunity, we won't miss it. But we'll be right in the right place at the right time doing the will of God. Because whoever finds God finds? 